morning icon. Well, if you'll actually remain standing, come on, guys, we do this every week. Come on down <laughs> for the reading of God's word. My name is Josh. For those of you who have not met, I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here at Icon. Before I get into the scripture reading, I just want to, uh, I really want to emphasize what we're trying to do with UGM. Um, you know, there's, there's so many reasons and so many people in our city uh, that want to complain. Um, sometimes homelessness in our city can be an issue of frustration for many people. And I'm inviting us to not be complainers, but to actually contribute to people who are doing a, a real solid solution. So if you're one of those people who benefits from end of year giving because of your tax situation, I would encourage you to give to this. We, this morning, as of this morning, we're at $56,000 that have come in. So that means we're a little bit over halfway. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor because I love Jesus, but also because I hate math. Um, but if my math is right, that means we need another about uh, $34,000 to, to do that check of 10 grand to, to UGM. So I'd invite you to, is that right? 34, sweet. 44? Oh, yeah, let's see. All right, let's, let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> there we go. Many gifts, one body, right? <laughs> All right, today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever." And Mary remained with her for about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for this season of, of Advent where we get to, to turn our attention both backward and forward. Where we, we get to remember the, the hope that we have in Jesus and the hope of, of, of just his sheer arrival, that, that you would come and, and see our situation and respond in action, not, not in passivity, not in indifference, but with loving action through the sending of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that in the mix of all, in the mix of all this, uh, the, the hurriedness and the busyness of holiday season, I ask that at least for these couple hours here in this sanctuary, that our hearts would pause we would slow down, and we would see the wonder of Jesus Christ. 
the hope that we have because he came at first and because he will come again. Would you make us a people of hope, both always for sure, but in these next four weeks, would you arrest our hope on Jesus Christ, walking away from every other thing that we would put hope in and have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, we, we trust you for it. Would you now, as, we, as we, we go through this song, would you unite your power with my weak words and give us hope? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I am so excited for Christmas this year. Um, I, I, I am pumped more, more than any other year that I can probably remember since I was a kid. I am so giddy for the Christmas season. Uh, I mean, growing up as a kid, I, I was always into Christmas. It was, it was the time of year. But since I've become an adult, it's, it's kind of lost its luster for me. But, but for this year, I, some of that childhood giddiness has, has gotten back into me. And, and because last Christmas was, was not great, it was kind of the worst. Um, it was our first Christmas here in Seattle under a lot of COVID reality still, so we didn't get to really enjoy everything that we would want to. And uh, spending, spending Christmas over FaceTime with, with family was, was not the best. But, but this year, I am in the Christmas spirit. Like it has over, you know, the, you know, scripture talks about how being, people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like that's how I feel, but with the Christmas spirit this year. Like it is overflowing and I am giving it full vent. Um, you can ask my wife. Uh, since Friday, I have been in like full Christmas mode. I put up the Christmas lights on Friday, um, which was fun, you know, went and bought all the Christmas lights. I'd never done that as an adult, actually putting up ho- lights on the house and and yesterday, we went to go get our Christmas tree, which was so much fun, you know, cutting it down by ourselves and uh, taking it home and taking it out. And then we were about to decorate it. And I was like, hold on, I'm going to go get some eggnog from the store. And like, there is, if, if there's a desire that I have that's Christmas related this year, I'm probably going to give myself to it. I, I, I feel the, the freedom to do that. And I don't apologize whatsoever. But there was a moment on Friday... That, that caught my attention uh, specifically. I was, I was outside putting the Christmas lights up, listening to, to my Christmas playlist and unashamedly belting the classics. When out of the corner of my eye, I, I, saw, I saw something in our street. So we live across the street from what is, is, is functionally and basically an, an orphanage. Um, it, it's, a, it's an organization that uh, houses children who uh, have not been placed in the foster care system or houses children who are about to age out of the foster care system. And, and in the street, while I was there putting up Christmas lights, trying to get that one orange bulb to work that still is not working, there were, there were three employees in, in the street from that orphanage and one little girl, maybe 10 years old or so. I took, I took my AirPods out, you know, to, to hear if there was anything that was going on that required my attention. I didn't know. And, and for the first 10 minutes, these, these, these four people, these three employees and one little girl just, just stood in silence in the street, almost, almost as if the, the employees were trying to keep her from, from, from running away. And, and as, t- as time went on, I'm, I'm still going through and trying to, you know, put lights up. And, um, and then suddenly, this little girl, 10 years old, red hair, just lets out a wail and weeps in the street. 
and is inconsolable by these three employees. One of them just comes in and, and hugs her and holds her and says, I, I know, I know, I know. I, I have no idea what's going on in her life, but, but that little girl required love and attention, someone to embrace her and comfort her as she wailed in the street. And the tension of pain in my, in my heart was thick there. I thought to myself, am I, am I making this worse? Here I am putting on a display to this child of everything that she doesn't have. I'm a father, though she doesn't have one. I have a home to decorate. She doesn't have any sense of permanence in her life. Inside of that moment, my, my daughter is on the couch watching a Christmas movie and jumping around while my wife and my son take a nap in the afternoon, and I, I have a family that I'm decorating for. She has no one. And even right beside us, our, our, our best friends, the Norvells, live right beside us. And uh, Kyle is getting ready to put up his Christmas lights and to, have the, to think of the joy that I have to, to live so close to such good friends. While this little girl, I asked myself, does she know friendship? Does she know the, the, the comfort of a friend? The difference between my Christmas joy and her pain was heavy in my heart. And I thought to myself this, I, I realized this. In that moment, Christmas was for me, but Advent was for her. Christmas was for me, Christmas as, as we know it, right? As our culture knows it, the season where we, we have the, the coziness of, of pine candles and putting up trees and putting up lights and some of the classic songs, you know, people around a large table, that was for me, but Advent was for her. Advent, this, this time in the church calendar where, where Christians remember the hope of Jesus Christ that comes in to a dark and dying world. Sure, I could enjoy those lights, I could enjoy my time, but what that little girl needed was the hope of Advent. Advent, to see that there is a God who, who sees and knows our pain. That little girl could not enjoy Christmas, but the message of Advent, what this season from this scripture says is for her. And at some point in our life, we, we all need Advent in that way. We need Advent because it, it does something that the general Christmas season never really could. Advent corresponds with real life. With, with the Christmas season as we know it, as our culture celebrates it, and as we celebrate it ourselves as Christians even, what that is, is, is fantasy. It's idyllic. That, that, that's why the, the, the post-Christmas blues we, we've suddenly been awakened from the dream world of Christmas and have to go back to the, the drudgery of life called January. <laughs> but with Advent, with this season in the church calendar, it is all about real life. Christmas is fantasy. I won't apologize for that. I love it. But Christmas is fantasy. Advent is real life. Advent is unflinchingly human. 
And this year, I want us to, to talk about this real-life nature uh, of Advent. Today, in the, in the three weeks that follow, we'll be, we'll be looking at some of these songs or poems that show up in the nativity scene in the Gospel of Luke. And, and these are, I want us to see that these are songs of, of real people with, with real pain who found real joy at the coming of Jesus Christ. Because when the, when the coming of Jesus Christ, when his incarnation intersects with real life, we are led to sing. We are led to rejoice. And so for today, we're, we're going to start off by, by looking at this song in Luke's gospel, which is tr- traditionally called Mary's Magnificat. So let, let's jump in. Let's, let's talk about, about this joy in real life. There's, there's a couple things that stand out in, in this song of Mary that, that give us a clue as to why the coming of Jesus Christ leads her to sing. So this, this song has, has two main themes, okay? It shows the, the favor of God toward her humble estate, and two, God's lack of favor toward the powerful and the prideful. First, God's favor toward her humble estate. Would you, would you look at the text? If you don't have your Bible out, I know we have it on the screen, but, but bring it out on your phone. We, we all have Bibles. Let's, let's look at it. Starting in verse... 47. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation." This, this first theme of Mary's song shows that God has looked upon the humble estate of Mary. Little humble Mary. You see, Mary is the least impressive candidate to give birth to the Messiah. Scholars believe she's, she's probably a teenager at this point in her life, anywhere from ages 12 to, to 16. And, and not only that, but she's a, a teenager living in Nazareth. She's, she's impoverished. Na- Nazareth is, is where you go if you really had no, no chance of advancement. If you were poor and impoverished, just making ends meet, Nazareth was your place. It was a place of poverty. But it's this teenager that God intentionally chooses to give birth to the Messiah. God looks upon this this impoverished teenager and sees his choice, his candidate to carry the eternal son of God who will take on flesh within her womb. And understandably so, Mary hears all of this and is led to sing. She sees that, that God has, has redirected her story in, in such a beautiful way that she will, as she says, now be called blessed by all generations. This, this little humble teenager who has nothing to her name, nothing on her resume, nothing she could offer, God chooses her. God looks upon her humble estate and chooses her specifically. God redirects, in his attention toward Mary, redirects the story of her life from one of 
impoverishment, of obscurity, to now, as she says, all generations will call her blessed. This little teenager, this little humble girl will now be called blessed. She will have a legacy that she could never have created for herself. She will, she will be forever remembered as the mother of the Messiah. And all of this is God's doing, who intentionally chooses her because of her humble estate. God intentionally picks her out because of her humble estate. And here we, we, we see an important truth about God. And you, I know we know this, but I want this to land on our heart in this Advent season. God does not look for the strong. God does not look for the capable. God does not work with or give favor to the most qualified. Rather, God gives grace to the humble. When God works in the world, when he wants to do something in the world, he looks for those who cannot work for themselves. He is not looking for the most qualified. He's not, he's not looking with the same vision that our world sees everyone else, but he's looking for people who are, who are needy, who don't have strength, who don't have some resume to offer in order to distinguish themselves. Rather, he's, he's looking for the lowly. His preferred servants are, are those who have nothing to, to offer him other than themselves. Humility is the key to God's activity in the world. There's a theme in Scripture that God pays attention to the lowly. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't see the, the powerful and the prideful, that he's not, he doesn't take notice of the rich, but there is, a, there is a theme in Scripture that God will look upon, will pay special attention to those who are low. You know, we, we have in our, in, our, in our world laws of, of physics, right? Certain things, certain unbreakable laws. And in many ways, we, we also have some spiritual laws that we find in God's Word, which is one of which is this. God gives grace to the humble. God is looking for those who are lowly, who need him, who feel their sense of desperation. His favor and his blessing is most at home in those who don't deserve it, in those who would never dream even of expecting it. God's preference of favor is given to those who are humble enough to receive it. And because of that, Mary is led to sing. She doesn't have to despise her humble estate. She doesn't have to feel insecure about how small she is in her little world. Rather, she can rejoice in it. She can say, yes, I, yes, I am low. Yes, I am of humble estate, but God has looked down on me. He's, he's chosen me for this wonderful gift and blessing of carrying the Messiah. When we are humble, we can actually sing of God's favor. Because God gives favor to the humble. Which leads us to the, the second theme of Mary's song here. And this is a little bit more of a warning. <laughs> Not only does God give grace to the humble, that's the first part of that spiritual law, but also God withholds his favor 
from the prideful. Let that sit for a second. God withholds his activity from the prideful. In Mary's song, I find one of the most terrifying passages in all of the Bible. It says this, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Did you catch that? Do you you see what's so terrifying in that little sentence? God scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Not only does God give favor to the humble, but he rejects those who are prideful. And what does his rejection look like? He scatters their thoughts. God, as, as a rejection toward those who feel like they don't need him at all, lets them continue on in that delusion. Let's them continue on in their self-deception. God's response toward the proud, we often, you know, we, we hear things like, obviously in scripture, that, that, uh, that pride comes before the fall. We think that, we think that God is going to openly uh, demonstrate how someone, uh, his punishment toward the prideful by some great fall, right? We think, we see a prideful person or something, and maybe we see that in ourselves, and we think that, oh, well, destruction is coming. Maybe not. Maybe God's punishment toward the prideful is that he allows them to continue on in their delusion that they should be prideful. And maybe, and this is, this is not connected to Advent, but, but if you're ever asking the question of why things are the way that they are, whether politically or in the places of power in our society, and you think, how could, how could someone or the people be so delusional? Here's your answer. God lets them be. God scatters their thoughts in the pride of their own hearts. The prideful are lost in their own pride. So not only does does Mary sing because of God looking upon her humble estate, but but she actually sings at the scattering of the prideful, at the rejection of the prideful. That doesn't sound like a, a, a cute, kitschy Advent song, does it? But she's led to sing. The reason she sings about not only God giving favor to her humble estate, but also because God is working against and even tearing down the mighty, the reason that leads her to sing is because in that she sees that God is turning upside down with the coming of Jesus Christ, the value system that we think we should have, that we even think God has. When we are humble and, and lowly, we, we, we might think that God prefers the powerful and the rich and the mighty. But the advent of Jesus Christ here shows Mary and should show us that actually his coming to the lowly, his coming to Mary in her humble estate shows that God is flipping the world upside down. Whereas before, she might have been tempted to think that her value as a person, was, was similar to how the world saw her value and what she could produce or in what she, what she had. Rather, she now sees that God is flipping the world upside down, and those who have might not have God. But those who have not, God is coming to them. 
These are the themes of, of Mary's song, that, that God is turning the world upside down with the advent of Jesus. He's showing his attention to the, to the humble and to the lowly, and he's in his justice rejecting, withholding his favor even from the prideful. These are the, 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 the two themes of, of Mary's song. She rejoices and magnifies the Lord because the coming of Jesus Christ comes with a message to her. God's value system is not like the world's. God does not favor the mighty, the capable, the rich, or the powerful. Rather, God gives favor to those who are impoverished and needy. Advent, to some of us, should bring comfort, and to some of us, should bring warning. And so I want to ask you, where are you at on this spectrum? This Advent season, do you feel low? Do you feel small? Do you even feel, maybe to put another word on it, puny? Or do you feel self-sufficient? And I'm not saying that just because your life is good means that you're prideful. That's not what I'm saying. But rather, are you so focused on yourself that Christmas might be good, no, good news, but Advent has kind of lost its flavor? This song should comfort some of us and, and warn some of us. It should comfort some of us. For those of us who are, are downtrodden and depressed, lowly right now, we should hear Mary's song as a word of comfort. None of us have Mary's humble estate, right? No one here is as impoverished as she was. But there's still many ways that we carry personal poverty in this season. Maybe we have a, a sense of, of, of spiritual poverty. Maybe the year 2021, you went into sin farther than you ever thought you actually would. Maybe you're carrying with you the, the burden of guilt and shame from a lackluster or even dead spiritual life. Are you low because of that? Do you have a sense of spiritual impoverishment? Or maybe some of us are relationally impoverished in this season. Maybe in 2021, you had friendships that you lost. Maybe you had loved ones that you lost. And now you feel Oh, or maybe you feel relationally impoverished because you, you might have many relationships. You might have connection even with family, but, but family that you go home to is not a, a safe or joyful place. You feel low and humbled by that. And then maybe you, maybe you feel emotionally impoverished, the pain of, of loss and, and grief in the holiday season. I know for, for me and my family, and my nuclear family, Christmas is a wonderful season, but this season also reminds us of a man that we loved, that we no longer have, who used to love this season, who used to express such Christmas and Advent joy now, just a couple years ago, it is no longer with us. Christmas is always really joyful, but also it brings with us a great deal of pain because it reminds us of John. Are you there? Does that make your heart feel low and humbled? Do you feel puny in the holiday season? If so, 
God's word to you in the coming of Jesus Christ is comfort. That he sees your pain. He sees how you relationally or spiritually or emotionally have been impoverished. And he looks upon that with gracious attention. That you are not alone. That that the world doesn't have a, a God who doesn't pay attention, who's indifferent aloof to our pain, but rather you have a God who who shows attention. That's what she says, right? He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For many of you, if you feel humbled by your own impoverishment, you need to hear today that God looks upon you. He sees you. He knows what you are feeling and wants to give comfort. God can lift you up out of that impoverishment with even a sense of joy. Joy knowing that that he sees you. Or Mary's song could be a word of of warning. Many of us may not feel a sense of, of personal poverty. We're capable, right? We're capable and we happily pull the levers of success in our society, in our family, in our career, and we feel pretty self-content and self-sufficient. To you, Advent is warning. Advent is warning, showing you that the value system of God's kingdom is slanted against those who rejoice in their own self-sufficiency. Do you, and I know that you might not know this because God says that those who are prideful are self-deceived, but do you have a moment of clarity if you feel self-sufficient, that you need to, as the scriptures say, humble yourself before God, to see that you in yourself are not not self-sufficient, but you need someone to come in and rescue you. No matter how much levers of society you can pull and get out all the things that you really want, you are a needy, small human being. I love you, but you are a small human being. And God wants to warn you this Advent season that his favor is only for the humble, those who will humble themselves before him. Humility is the key of joy in Advent. Yes, our humility and even Mary's humility, and we should seek to humble ourselves, but more than that, the great wonder of the Advent season is the humility of of Jesus. Maybe if you found yourself and you feel a sense of conviction that you are self-sufficient and prideful, your first thing to do is to stare at the humility of Jesus. To stare at the wonder that Jesus humbled himself, lowered himself. That that we as Christians believe that that Jesus is is fully God and fully man and And we so often blow by that statement without even thinking about the power of that. That Jesus, who is the Son of God, who eternally existed in glory, in praise, left all of that behind, intentionally lowered himself in order to become a human being and live life in a dank, dingy world that is so far from what he intended it to be at the beginning. Jesus humbled himself, the sovereign without splendor, the word of God who for in a moment for this baby is is mute. His 
humility can give us wonder. His frailty can strengthen us. His humble burden can set us free in this Advent season. That humility can make us sing. This is why Advent can make the impoverished sing and can humble the prideful, because Jesus humbled himself. Yes, to become a human being, yes, to become a baby, but even further, to die a death on the cross, to submit himself to the worst form of execution, the most degrading form of humiliation publicly for the sake of our sin. That's the wonder of Advent. It's the wonder that if we receive it with humility as something we really need, like Mary, can make us sing. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for the humility of Jesus, that your son did not count equality with you something to be held onto, something to just possess for his own good, but rather humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, becoming a man in this world. That humility is the wonder of this Advent season, and it's the good news of this Advent season. Yes, Christmas is great. We love it. But Advent is what we need. We need to see the humility of Jesus, lowering himself in order to save us, giving up his privilege in order to give us what we never deserved, a place in your family. So this this Advent season, would you give us the, the joy of seeing Jesus, the wonder that, that he would come and save us? Would you humble our hearts where we feel disconnected from our own need? Would you have mercy still and humble our hearts to see that we need Jesus Christ? And for those of us who have already been humbled, those of us who already feel personal impoverishment, would you give great comfort? Comfort that comes from the place of knowing that that you see us. That same comfort that you gave Mary that led her to sing, your gracious attention, would would you help that lift our hearts to sing? We trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us in gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are his.